What's going on, Victory Church? How you doing? Man, I leaned over to Tim after that. I said, if you can't preach after that worship set, you need to get another job, right? Y'all enjoy that? Can we give our worship team just a little hand real quick? What an incredible opportunity. Hey, my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute incredible privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us on this rainy Sunday, I want to say welcome. We're so glad you chose to be here at Victory Church in Smyrna, Tennessee. Hopefully some of our lovely dream team was able to meet you out in the uh, parking lot and lead you guys down here with the umbrella so you could stay dry. Can we just take a second? Uh, maybe, maybe you got to experience some of our dream team. Maybe you didn't. But can we just give a hand for our dream team real quick? Can we just do that? Thank you. Thank you. The chances are if you drove on this property today and you got to your seat, you came across some dream team member, whether that was in the parking lot or at the door or as you were signing in your kids at V-Kids or giving hosted or greeted or auditorium host taking you to your seat or whatever that might be, production, worship. Listen, we believe you're here on purpose because you have a purpose. So if you're visiting with us, do what Pastor Brian said, jump in growth track, find what God created you for so that you can start serving and be a part of that. Um, it's just been a, been a great, great experience that people have had. I want to share real quick before we get into the message, just the four G's that we are about here at Victory during this series. I want to always take some time to, to kind of remind you of what we're about. We've, we've designed the entire church off of four G's, and here's what they are. Growing, guiding, giving, and going, okay? Growing, guiding, giving, and growing. We want to grow you in God. We want to grow you in relationships. We want to guide you to freedom and guide you to family. We want to get you to a point where you're giving out of your purpose, and we want to get you going and making a difference in the community and in the world. And last week, we got to highlight and spotlight guiding as we launched our small groups. Let me hear you. Yeah, right? Man, and Chris sent me a message over the week. He's our small group director and just said they are off to a hit. We had a group meet last night, and one of the ladies that was in the group pulled me aside before church and just said it was a Amazing, And then we've got a group launching tonight and a group launching next Saturday. And hey, there's no reason why you should feel disconnected here at Victory Church. If you're interested in a group, jump on our app or, or just grab one of the Dream Team members. They can give you some information about it. But do yourself a favor, get connected. Real quick today, I want to highlight our going value. Going value, where we go and make a difference in not just our church, but we want to make a difference in our community in every aspect. And I'm so excited to announce to you an organization that we are partnering with. And the director, the way I found out about this organization is the director, Janelle Douglas, actually attends our church. She's on a dream team. You've probably seen her on a weekly basis. And I want to introduce you to the organization that she runs that we're partnering with called Empowerment Incorporation, Empowerment Incorporation. So this is their Facebook page because I really want you guys to go on and do this. See this thing right here, this little thumbs up? Get on there and like it and spread the information about it. And this is just kind of gives you a little breakdown. It is a youth development organization for teens ages 3 to 18 and with the mission of equipping young people with the knowledge and confidence to make positive life choices. Here's where I'm excited about it. Their programs include character building, leadership development, and future planning. And we are partnering with them, here's what we're partnering with them, to help get students ready for college. And so they've already got this uh, organization operating in a couple of schools in Antioch, and we're working now on looking at how to do it here in Smyrna. And what ends up happening is we, we're going to be able to resource them both financially and hopefully with hands and people that we can put on these week-long kind of study groups where, where young kids, 13, 18, come in, and we help prep them for college uh, 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 applications and for the SAT and the ACT and all that and get them college ready, right? 
That's what it's about. Listen, I understand that we want them to know Jesus and we want them to be saved, but we also want them to be ready for what the world's about to come and about to bring towards them. And so this is an incredible, incredible ministry. I'm going to talk a lot more about it here in a couple of weeks and so, but I just wanted to go ahead and get it in your mind. I want you to go on Facebook and like it. If you gave to Purpose Prevails last year, you're already pouring into it financially. And so we'll, we'll talk again more about that in a couple of weeks, but do me a favor, go on Facebook, like it, spread the news so that we can make more impact in the kids in Rutherford County. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. All right. Give a hand. Yeah, go ahead and give up. Empowerment Ministry. So thankful for your generosity, church, because of your generosity, we get to be a part of ministries like that, and that's incredible. Hey, you ready for the word? Here we go. Open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you didn't bring your Bible, don't worry. You can jump on your phone. You can jump on our app, or you can just follow along with me on the screen behind me, but we just want you to know what I'm reading and where I'm at 1 Samuel chapter 17, as Pastor Brian, or I think Malcolm said, we are in a series right now called More, where we believe that God has more for us. He has more for our marriages. He has more for our children. He has more for our jobs, more for our finances, more, more for every aspect, more for our giftings and our talents. And you say, well, Troy, is this a prosperity message? No, it's not. It's an understanding that God always wants to take you to a new level. He's always wanting you to grow and stretch and be able to experience new things and have new and different impacts. And so God has more for your life. You are marked for more. It's kind of how we've been saying it. We've been comparing ourselves to David in the Bible, who was definitely marked for more. And if you were here last week, here's kind of what we talked about. We said, when it comes to the more in your life, there's more in you, even though no one might recognize it, even though you might not even recognize it. And then we said, listen, more is not so much a new position as it is a new perspective. And then last but not least, if you want more in your life, you need to be ready to move. Because if you want more than what you've got right now, you've got to move somewhere to be able to experience that, right? And we followed through David's life and how he was a shepherd boy and he was anointed to be the next king. And all, even though his father didn't see it, it was just an incredible, incredible start to the series. And I'm really excited about today. And so where we pick up, let me just give you some context real quick on where David is. David got anointed king and then he went back to the pasture and started taking care of his daddy's sheep. And then as I entered the series or entered the message last week, you know that King Saul came and got him and said, hey, would you come and play the liar for me? Help me sleep. All right. In between then and where we're about to start reading, David has been kind of playing both sides. He would go home and help his dad with the sheep, and then he'd run over to the palace and play the liar for Saul, and then he'd run back and help the sheep, then he'd go back and play the liar for Saul, and he was just continuing this, continuing this, continuing this. And one morning, his dad comes to him and says this. Your brothers are, are they're, they're away at war with the Israelite army, and I want to send them some snacks. And so I have made a little charcuterie plate, and I'm going to put it in a to-go box, and I want you to run it up to, the, to the, where they're fighting, to the battlefield, and I want you to check on them. All right? So that's where we pick up. So we're going to pick up 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 20 is where we're starting to read. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up, grabbed his charcuterie plate, and set out, as Jesse, his father, had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. So let me give you a geographical understanding of what's happening. You've got this hill over here, and then a, a, a drop into kind of a plateau or a valley, and then it goes up again into a hill over here. So over here would have been the Israelite army, 
and over here would have been the Philistine army, and, and what if they were going to fight, they would all have to kind of, you know, y'all have seen these in the Mel Gibson movies, right? They'd have to come, ah, charging down and hit. So what they were doing is they were coming to the edge, and they were having war cries. So they were coming going like, ah, your mama, you know, or whatever, Wakanda forever, you know what I mean, whatever, whatever the thing is that they were screaming out to each other from heel to heel, and it was back and forth, back and forth, and, and that's, just so you know, that's what's going on, all right, it's real stuff. So David gets there, and it says he left his things, the charcuterie plate, with the keeper of supplies, okay, in other words, the caterer. So he left it with him, and he ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. Picture this. They're, 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 you know, it's back and forth, Wakanda forever. And David runs up and he's like, yo, what y'all doing? What's going on? What's happening? So that's what he did. And as he was talking with them, hey, what's going on? What y'all doing? Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? Do you, do you see he comes out to defy Israel? The king will give great wealth, watch this, to the man who kills him, great wealth. He will also give him his daughter in marriage, and he will exempt his family from taxes. So whoever kills the giant gets money, a hot chick, and doesn't have to pay taxes, right? It's pretty, pretty awesome, pretty awesome deal. So David asked the men standing near him, say what? That's how I picture that. Say what? What would you say? What, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes the disgrace from Israel? The man who is an uncircumcised Philistine, that he should be out here defying the armies of my living. I just picture David taking earrings out. You know what I mean? Y'all ever seen, you know, when your mom be like, oh, no, he didn't. Just and taking high heels all like David's ready to go. Not that David wears high heels. but um, And so then they repeated to David and they told David again. And then, you know, this, this is what it's going to take for, to be done for the man who kills him. And then watch what it says. David said, what David, was, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul. So David's listening. What is it again that's going to be? Okay, okay. Somebody hears that and goes and tells King Saul, there's this little kid asking about the reward you're going to give for killing this giant. And so Saul sends for him. And watch what David says to Saul. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine, for your servant will go and fight him. When I read this this week, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of studying this whole story of David. I've been in this now for a few weeks and just trying to figure out the process on how we really unlock and access the more God has for our life. I'm reading this, and, and here was the thought that came to my mind. David has not even possessed his promise yet, and he's already facing a problem. He, hadn't even, he, haven't, he hasn't even possessed it yet. He hasn't even, he hasn't even got to more yet, and he's already facing a problem. And here was my thought. Every time a man or a woman or a young person decides that they're going to believe God for more, that they're going to step out in faith and start serving God, or they're going to commit their heart to him, it never fails. Every time somebody makes that decision, there is some problem brought up by the enemy to try to distract and detour them. Every time. As a youth pastor, let me tell you what that problem always was. The opposite sex. It never failed. This young man would come into the youth group. I'm going to give my, I'm going to be up here every day. I'm going to intern. I'm going to love Jesus. And next week he wouldn't be there. And I'd call him. He'd be like, well, I met this girl and she don't really like church. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Of course. Because anytime we decide that we want more from God and more with God, and we decide we're going to move and go and grab that, be prepared for the enemy to pop up some problem and put that problem between you 
and your promise. So how do I deal with the problem that's in between me and my promise? Best question here. I want to give you three steps on how to deal with the giant issues between you and the more that God has for you. We all have issues. We all have giant issues. Issues that are in between where we are and all that God has for us. So how do we overcome them? Three steps. You ready? Here we go. Step one, recognition. Step one is recognition. If you're taking notes, recognition. I don't really say this much, but I do want to say it. The more you come here, the more you understand. It's great to take notes here because I'm going to fire a lot at you. And you need to be able throughout the week to look back on it, remind it. That's what the app's about as well. But, man, I love watching people take notes. Step one, recognition. Watch what verse 23 says. As he, David, was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. Let me give you a little mini-sermon. The enemy can only say to you the same thing he's always said. He's just got a usual defiance. He doesn't have new weapons. It's always the same old weapons. What he's been telling you when you're 10, he'll try to tell you when you're 30. And if you're not careful, you'll believe it. It's just the usual defiance, okay? But here's what I love. Then David heard it. Everybody's got ears, but the Bible wanted to point out to us that David heard it. David recognized it. David, it got David's attention. All the other Israelite army are like, oh, well, I ain't, I ain't hear what he said. I, what do you say? You know when your kids ignore you on purpose? And then you say it to them, and they go, oh, I didn't hear what you said. Yes, you did. You heard exactly what I said. You heard it. All the army, they're pretending like, oh, man, I hurt my knee last time we were fighting. I can't, I can't really do anything. You know what I mean? Like, we're just kind of ignoring it. And David's like, what? David recognizes it. The very first step that you and I have to apply to our lives, if we're going to overcome the giant issues between us and the more God has for us, is to admit that there's an issue. Recognize it. Point it out. I like to say this. Put it on notice. That's what I like to say. Put it on notice. I see you. There you are. Right? The problem is we always want to pretend like it's not there. Right? We always want to deny. Look, listen to me. I want more from God in my finances, but I have a stewardship issue. Just admit it. Recognize it. I I want more from God in my job, but I have an authority issue. Just, Just Admit it. Point it out. I, I, want more, I want God to use me more, but I have a pride issue. Just call it out. The problem is we don't want to admit it because we don't want people to know that we got issues. Can I set you free? We all got issues. Look at the person beside you. Just look at them. Don't talk to them. Look at them. Look at them. Yo, they got issues. They got some giant issues. You know who in this room has the biggest issues? Me, we all got issues. We got to quit worrying about is someone else going to know I got these issues. I don't want someone else to know I got, I got a problem. Now, here's what we will do. We will point out people's big issues, right? Right? Oh, man, they got, they got really big issues. But I don't, here, can, I, can I give you a, a message the Lord gave for me? And you're going to have to play it into your own context. Uh, more children of God have lost their potential from pride than porn. In other words, the big issues that we freak out about aren't taking out people. It's the small issues that nobody wants to talk about, right? Nobody wants to admit it. And nobody, the people who are addicted to porn, they're getting help. The people who have pride, they try to pretend like it's not there. It's a neglecting issue. If we will just quit neglecting it and call it out, we can overcome it. 
I'm at my house one day, and we live in a little townhouse in Smyrna, and we got downstairs, and the girls' rooms are upstairs, and there's a little, like, game room type thing. And I'm down there watching TV, and all of a sudden, I hear my oldest daughter, Veda, they're both upstairs, go, Dad, Dad. And I'm like, what is it, babe? I can kind of scream up, you know, and they can hear me. I'm like, what is it, babe? Like, there's a bug up here, which means I got to come take care of it, right? So I ask the question that every uh, strong, confident, manly man asks. I say, what kind of bug is it? Here's why I ask that. I need to know how to be prepared, okay? If it's a fly, I go get the little towel that I can go up and watch the towel, right, and get the towel. I mean, get the fly. If it's a moth, I need to go get a cup, be prepared to go catch it, right, because kids are always like, oh, it's cute. Go catch it and let it go. If it's a spider, I need to get Darla to go take care of it. You know what I mean? So I just, I need to know. I need to figure out what, 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 what we're working with here. And so I get upstairs and I come around the corner. And, and it's funny because they're in their room and they're wanting to come out into like the playroom area, but they can't because the bug is there. And you know what I realized? When I walked upstairs, they did not do this. I didn't walk up and go, hey, where's the bug? And they were like, uh, I don't know. I don't even, you know, I'm not even sure there's a bug here, honestly. Casey said there's a bug, but I don't see it. Like, I don't really think I have a bug problem. Matter of fact, the, the next door neighbor has a much bigger bug problem than we have. So I, I, don't, I don't really know. Like, that, that didn't happen, right? Let me tell you exactly how the scene looked, and you tell me if it looks familiar to you. I walked up and said, where's the bug? And both of them were like, it's right there. It's right there, right, right, right there, right? They were pointing it out. And here's why. Because they knew if they pointed it out, their father had the power to take care of it. Right? So the whole concept of recognizing our issues is to point it out because I know that my father has the power to take care of it. Right? We got to recognize it. The problem is when our father comes in, we're like, I don't even know. I don't know. I'm not even sure we got a bug issue. I'm not sure. You know, my husband said it, but I'm not sure. My wife said it, but I'm not sure. I mean, they got bigger problems. Just point there. It is. It's just, it's right here. If you don't want to do it, it's because you got a pride issue. Your issue's got an issue. You know what I mean? And you need tissues for your issues. Like, hey, what is going We just need to recognize it. If there's, if, if there's ever a message that I want you to hear me say, it's just be real. Just say this is what's going on so that God can take care of it. Because as you move to more, God's going to elevate you above those things. But as long as you pretend like they're not there, you can't overcome them. How many days? You know, 40 days the Israelites came out, Wakanda forever, and then ran back into the little spot. Pretending like he wasn't there. 40 days. God finally said, look, they're not going to take this dude out. So I got this little shepherd boy over in this pasture. He'll recognize it. He'll call it out. Call it out. Put it on notice. Here's what I love about David. He didn't just put it on notice, but he called it a name, all right? He, he, he didn't notice it. He just didn't just notice it. He, he named it, okay? So watch, verse 26. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Man, when I first read that, you know, when I first got saved, and I'm from Memphis, so I'm, 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 I can tend to be really hood, and so when I first read that, I pictured when we were in high school, I've talked to you a little bit about this, how we would do checking at high school. You remember checking? And so, like, if, if, depending on how old you are, your check might be, you know, your mom's so dumb, they said it was chilly outside, she ran and got a bowl. You know what I mean? That might be your, your, your check. It'll come to you about two hours. My checking in, in our high school day was so stupid. Like, it didn't even make sense. Like, I'm going to give you one of the most famous checking lines in my high school. Oh, big head, little body. <laughs> what does that even mean? 
You know what I mean? Like, unless you're a bobblehead, like, it doesn't, how does that, end? oh, big head, little body. But people be like, oh, burned them. And then they would change it, and then it'd be like, oh, oh, toe head, oh, 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 knee oven face. And I'm just like, what is happening right now? Like, there's no intelligence in that. And so when I read uncircumcised Philistine, I used to think David was just checking him. You know what I mean? Oh, uncircumcised Philistine looking. You know what I mean? Just, just calling him out. And I'm understanding now that David named him that on purpose. There was a reason David called him that, okay? Walk with me. And that day, circumcision meant you had a covenant with God. If you were an Israelite, you were a child of God. So when he said uncircumcised Philistine, he was literally saying, who is this guy who has no covenant and no promise with the God that we have a covenant and a promise with? Who is this person that is here with no authority? Who is this person that is here and is temporary? Who is this person that's here and shouldn't be here? Who is this person that is not operating with the same power that we are operating? Who is this person that does not have the authority or the agreement of my God to be here to begin with? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Burn. Burn them. Because when we name things, we identify them. I know we don't like to. We don't like to name things. But when you name it, I struggle with depression. I struggle with pride. I struggle with addiction. Whatever, it, when you name it, you are identifying that it does not have the authority that you're giving it in your life. You are acknowledging that it does not have the promise or the covenant that you have with God. You are putting it in its place. I love what John 16, says. And I'm going I'm to give this to you in a way. If you're taking notes, man, this will change your life. If you're not taking notes, remember this and write it somewhere. Okay, the verse John 16, I add a little something into it for you today. The world, in this world, you will have trouble, blank, whatever that is. You got to name it. Whatever, I, I don't need to see it, but you need to name it. You need to name it to yourself. You need to, you need to write it in that little line. In this world, I will have trouble with blank. In this world, it's going to happen. If someone has taught you that the moment you accept Jesus Christ, you will never have a problem again, they have taught you incorrectly, okay? That is not how it works. It's just you will never face a problem alone again, okay? That's the concept. So there is, you will have trouble, blank, but, we always say this here, Jesus got a big but, right? But, don't worry, for I have overcome, blank. All you got to do is write it twice. In this world, I will have trouble with Pride. In this world, I will have trouble with authority. In this world, I will have trouble with uh, porn. In this world, I will have trouble with uh, depression. I will have trouble with anxiety. I will have trouble. But I, Jesus, have overcome, don't worry, for I have overcome pride and authority and, and depression and anxiety and porn. Whatever it is, he's already overcome it. But he can't show you that if you don't admit it, because until you name it, he's just overcome something generically. But when you name it, when you recognize it, God, this is my issue, right? This little, right, right there. I noticed the Lord told me, he said, your daughters were in one place and they wanted to go to another place, but they couldn't go there because something was stopping them. And they had the power to even walk over it. But they were scared, and all they had to do was recognize it. And I could just preach all the time on this one point. When they recognized it, I came in because I'm 
daddy. And I came in, and I'd love to show you. I did get a shoe. I was a little scared and because it was a spider. And, and it killed it, and it's gone. And I just came to tell you this morning, if you'll, just, if you'll just do me a favor, and over the next six days, recognize what that giant issue is, call it by its name, and then proclaim John 16.33 over it. I'm telling you, you will overcome it. And you're going to see more about that in a minute, all right? Number one, recognition. Step one, recognition. Step two, redirection, right? Once you recognize something, let me give you another eye-opening truth. Once you put recognition to it, you're going to immediately realize you can't overcome it. Could you Just go with me for a minute. David is up there. Old boy starts talking. David looks. Who is this? I guarantee you for that first second, David was like, oh, my goodness, that boy is big. Look at him. He got a 1,000 pounds of armor. His sword is as big as my whole body. Like David knew right then, I can't beat this dude. Like there's no way. The second you really recognize what you're struggling with, you will realize I can't overcome this. I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability. But David mastered the art of redirection. And you and I have to master the art of redirection. Let me show you what I mean. So Saul says, what everybody has already told you before, you, he's talking to David, you are not able to go out against this Philistine. You, right, you are only a young man, and he has been a warrior since his youth. You can't do this. You've already failed. You messed up last time. You came up short last time. You fell every time. You will never be able to do it. You, you, you. Anybody ever heard that before? Just me? Okay, cool. Here's what David said. He said, you, you. David rep- replied, but the Lord, so he learned that redirection. You, 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 you. You're right, but the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will be the same one who rescues me from the hand of this Philistine. He had learned the ability of redirection, right? You, you want to talk about my, me, you. No, no, I want to talk about God. If you want to see if I can do it, let's talk about can God do it. I used to hear the old country preacher say this kind of thing. He'd be like, if, if, if your problem's big, don't tell God how big your problem is. Tell your problem how big God is, right? Y'all heard that before? So that's what that is. That's that, that's that redirection concept, all right? You're redirecting them. Listen, Saul wanted to point out David's inabilities. David wanted to point out God's abilities. It's redirection. Y'all, if we could just learn this, if we could just learn the art of redirection. My, my girls are so good at redirection. I'll be like, Veda, did you do that? Well, Casey said, she just, boom, just redirection, boom, just immediately. It don't even matter if Casey's in the city. It'd be like, well, Casey was in Memphis, and she sent me a text message. I'm like, she's four. She can't do that. It's just redirection. How many of you use GPS? Y'all use Siri for GPS? Anybody here use? We hadn't used a map in 20 years, right? We just, you just, you get her going and hit, hit start. And she's like, okay, you know, take your first ride on South Street. It's my Siri accent. And so have you ever, I'm bad about this, I'll get to driving, get to thinking about something, get focused on something else, and I'll miss my turn. You ever, you ever done that before? And Siri will go, rerouting, right? And I don't know about you, about the third time you do that, she sounds to me like she gets madder. Like, it sounds like her voice just started, like, rerouting, you know what I mean? You idiot. You know, I just, I'm not sure. But, but what I love about Siri is that no matter what mistakes I make, I have this confidence in her that she's going to get me to my destination. You know what I mean? That, that for some reason, Siri just knows how to redirect. She is just a master of redirection. Here's how much confidence I have in Siri. 
Have y'all ever been somewhere and needed to go somewhere and Siri's taking too long to load? You know what I'm talking about? Which is so funny. I can't stand it if she takes more than three seconds to tell me where to go. So here's what I've learned to do. I'll just go. I'll just go ahead and pull. I'll just turn right and go. Like, Because here's what I know. I know that once Siri figures it out, she's going to redirect me. She's going to say, hey, you idiot, make a U-turn on 12th Street and come back. I just know this. We need the spirit of Siri. We need to just know that no matter where we're at in life and no matter how big our problem is, that God is going to redirect us. That there just has to be an automatic redirection. I know I failed before. I'm going to redirect. I know it doesn't make sense. I'm going to redirect. I'm just going to learn to master redirection because I serve a God who is a God of redirection, right? We were just talking about a God who resurrected, a king who is above us because he died and then he was resurrected. That's redirection. Every time the enemy tries to tell you anything, just remember that your Savior has mastered redirection. Write this down. If you're not, write this down. Oh, my gosh. This, if, if, at least memorize it in your brain. Go home and type it somewhere. You ready? Here we go. We have to get to a place where we are so confident in who he is that we are not ashamed to admit who we are not. I'm going to say it again because some of y'all didn't believe I was going to say something good. <laughs> have to get to a place where we are so confident in who he is. This is who God is that I am not ashamed to admit who I am not. This will set you free. You're not good enough to overcome that, but him in you is. Learn to redirect. I don't know what your mom's told you your whole life. I don't know what your dad and your uncle, I don't know what your friends are telling you now. I know everybody wants you to be miserable because misery loves company. But understand that if you will learn to redirect, just redirect, I can't, but God can. Paul knew this. Look what he said in Romans chapter 8, verse 37. For in all of these things, hey, does your issue in, is it included in all of these things? Okay, just making sure you're with me. In all these things, we are more. There's our word. We are more than conquerors. Hey, we're more than conquerors. Give me my sword. We're more than conquerors. Don't stop there. Keep reading. Through him who loved us. Without him, you are less than a conqueror. But through him, you are more than a, not just a conqueror, you are more than a conqueror. Well, you know, my life, it doesn't really look like that. I mess up a lot. It doesn't really look like I'm a conqueror. I was thinking about that because I thought that might be your response. So Pastor Brian and Miss Erica, they have a, their youngest child, Travis, plays on a basketball team. And a while back, we decided to go uh, see him play. And so we get there and we come in, we sit down, we're watching the game. Travis, is, he's a little guy, he's running around stealing the ball, hitting threes, doing his thing. And his team starts getting a lead, right? They start winning the game. And I'm watching the game. I'm, I'm really into sports, so I'm watching the game. And I happened to glance up, and the score on the scoreboard was zero to zero. And I was like, I know, I know that's not true. So I leaned over to Miss Erica, and I said, hey, did they, did they mess up the scoreboard? What's going on? And she goes, no, no, once Travis's team got in such a lead, they didn't want the other kids playing to feel embarrassed so they take the score off the scoreboard and they keep it over there in the book 
but they don't tell the kids. And I thought, well, that's, that's a, most of our kids' problem right there, right? We could, we could, that's a whole other sermon. You need to know when you're losing, you're losing. You know what I mean? If, if that doesn't inspire, if you're down by 50, that should make you want to dunk on somebody. Like something should happen. So I'm like, okay, no biggie. So halftime, this, this was before halftime. That's how much they were spanking them. And so third quarter comes, fourth quarter comes. There are games after his game. So kids start coming in getting ready to play the next game. Three of the kids sit down in front of me. I can hear their conversation. And so I'm sitting there. I've been watching the game. I have been keeping score the entire time. So I know exactly what the score. I know how many points Travis has, everything. And so I'm, I'm listening. I'm watching. And these kids start talking. Here's what the kids said. The kids said, man, this score is zero to zero. These teams, and then he went on to say words that I won't say, but we'll just say they said stink. These teams stink. And it was so interesting to me because to them, Travis was not winning. He was losing to them, but I knew that he was winning. Matter of fact, I knew he was going to win. <laughs> I knew he was more than victorious over them, right? He was up by 51 points is what it was. I knew he was more. Understand something. It may not look like it to you on the scoreboard, you know what I mean? It may not look like it to those around you, but you need to know that he knows that not only are you victorious, you are more than victorious. You see what I mean? Like the victory's done. You've won it. It's over. I love, I got so emotional as Jamal was talking about when the stone was rolled away. Ah, ah, I get so crazy. And I get so, people are like, well, it's not Easter. We shouldn't talk about the resurrection. I need the resurrection daily because I have to be reminded that I'm more than a conqueror. And it's not because of me. I messed up yesterday. I'll mess up tomorrow. I'll probably mess up today. But I'm more than a conqueror because I serve a God who runs by a different scoreboard. Because he likes to redirect. You know what I mean? He's been raised and he's on the throne and through him I am a conqueror. Come on church. Whatever this joke is that's in between you and the more God has for you. First of all, don't be ashamed to call it out. This is what it is. This is who you, this is you. You buster, you know what I mean, whatever. I don't know what, like, slang words you had in your generation. Uh, mine growing up was trick. Be like, that's you, trick. You know what I mean? Just, just, call, just, just call it. Get angry with it. Jesus will flip tables. Flip tables. Just be like, you, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've been unsaved more of my life than saved, so I have to be careful what I might say. But whatever you say, call it. And then when it says, because it will, when it looks at you and goes, you can't handle me, go, you're right. Never intended to. Because through him, I am more than a conqueror. I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say it. Anybody here, y'all like, anybody here watch First Prince of Bel-Air? Anybody here watch? Yeah? Okay. Well, I, got, I got a few friends. Okay. So, I have seen every episode thousand times. I could, I could quote them word by word. There's this one episode where Will Smith and Carlton are, are trying out for a sorority, okay? And they go into the sorority. It's kind of an, uh, an all-black sorority. And they go into the sorority. And, and if you've ever watched the show, Carlton's very preppy, okay? He's very preppy, nice sweater vest. It's, you had to watch the show. And so um, they go in to, to, to do all of the, the rituals to get into the, to the sorority or the fraternity, sorry. And, um, and they're going through it and they're doing it. And they're both doing it equally as well. Him and Will Smith are both doing it equally as well. They're making them do crazy stuff. And after it's over, the guy comes to him and says, Will Smith, you got in. Or Will, you got in. But Carlton, you didn't. Carlton's like, goes and kind of grabs him. He's like, man, what, 
What's going on? Like, I did everything they did. And, and the, 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 the conversation begins to reveal that the guy running the fraternity doesn't think Carlton is black enough. That's, that's basically what he said. And Carlton lays this line on him, y'all. Oh, my goodness. Here's what he says. He says some great stuff. Talks about we're running the same race. Why are you tripping me up? And all this stuff. But here's what he said. He goes, black is not what I'm trying to be. Black is who I am. Yeah, I'm telling you, Fresh Prince will get you slain. I'm telling you. <laughs> so I just, in prepping this, I just felt the Lord say, you need the spirit of Carlton Banks. I'm like, what does that mean? He said, listen, a conqueror is not what you're trying to be. A conqueror is what you are. It's just what you are. You know what I mean? When you understand that, it's not quit trying. It already happened. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what's already been done, right? He died. He resurrected. You are a conqueror. The next time somebody tells you you're not, tell them, why are you tripping me up? This is, I'm not trying to be this. I am this. This is who I am. Amen? Man, I'll just go for another two hours if y'all stay on that topic. So you recognize it. This is you buster. I got to get a better word. Jimmy, what would you call it? No, no, let's not talk to you. <laughs> ah, that's why you shouldn't be on live stream. You should be here, okay? Um, first, you recognize it. Then, then when it starts to tell you, you can't, then, then, then you redirect. And then step three, step three, recognition, redirection, repetition. That's odd. Let me explain. So once Saul realizes David's going to fight this battle whether he likes it or not, Saul says, and you'll see it on these verses, here, you, you put on my armor. Here's, here's my shield. Here's my sword. You go fight. And watch what, watch what David says. It says, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened the sword over the tunic, tried walking around because he was not used to them. And then David says, I cannot go in these. I can't wear these. I can't fight these because I am not used to them. Remember last week we talked about how God left David in the pasture, and when he came to get him for the palace, it was to play the harp. Here was my thought this week. God knows he's going to fight Goliath, right? Right? So why didn't God spend that time preparing David for this battle? Why didn't God take David out of the pasture and take him to the palace and train with the soldiers so that when the time came for him to get Saul's armor, he would go, oh, I can wear this. I'm used to it. Oh, yeah. Why? 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 Because, watch this, if we're not careful, it looks like God put David at a disadvantage. Right? So I'm studying this all week. I'm trying to get opened up. What more in Goliath? And then I started piecing pieces together I'd never really thought about before. Like, I realize now that Goliath's goal was to fight at close range. All right? Let me explain. He has a sword. Any of you ever seen a sword? It's not a weapon of distance. Okay? Y'all aren't Zelda. You're not like, hajiga, and throwing it. Like, it doesn't work that way. Most people fight with sword close range. The other thing, he has a thousand pounds of armor on. Thousand pounds. I'm like Kevin Hart and Jamal. You, you don't swing in a you don't swim in a backpack. You know what I mean? Like you don't fight with a thousand pounds of armor on. That's nonsense. But I understood Goliath's whole intention, Goliath's plan all along was that he was going to stand in one spot, and that somebody with another armor outfit on, with another close range weapon like a sword, was going to come to him, and he was going to fight them in close range. 
Because if he would have done that, he would destroy them. Because that's what he knows. That's his sweet spot. You know what I mean? It was all about the approach. We need to learn that there's always about a different approach. I'll, I'll get there in a minute. But he would have understood that, that he could have taken them out. I actually think this is why Goliath said to David, come to me. He didn't go to him. He said, come to me. Why? He's not running with a thousand pounds of armor. Some scientists and theologians mixed together, here's what they say, that there was a growth hormone in Goliath that uh, Andre the Giant had. They say that Abraham Lincoln had it. And they say that, that that growth hormone that makes you extra large as far as height also has a couple of side effects, and one of them is vision. So they said that Goliath had really poor vision, which is why he had a shield uh, bearer person with him guiding him. And it's why he said, come to me, because he didn't know where David was. And so I'm putting all this together, and I'm like, okay, so, so Goliath, his sweet spot, his strength is close-range battle, right? Meanwhile, God leaves David in the pasture where the weapon he gets trained on is something called a sling, okay? Now, if you're like me, when you first read that as a child, you were picturing that little slingshot you get as a kid. You know what I'm talking about? Like a little field goal post that had a little rubber thing, and you'd like shoot spitballs at your brother and sister. Remember that? That's, that's kind of what I pictured. But, but it looked a little bit more like this. This was a little bit more realistic to what a sling was, okay? So here's what's really crazy. In the infantry of the army, there were, there were different positions. So you had those who were on horses and those with swords and those with arrows. And there were some who literally, this was their weapon, and they called them slingers, okay? Now be careful. Don't put a W where the L is going to be, all right? Be really careful. So slingers is what it was. And this is what it looked like. And so here's what they would do is they would take it. You had to have a little safety loop. And then they would take a rock or stone or, or whatever it was, and they'd put it in here. And then, if, if you've never seen this before, they would, they would, in the battlefield, they would start to do this. And they, oh. That's why you're supposed to practice this stuff more often before you just try it again. I think my loop was backwards. Here we go. So you spin. Then they would, I'm not going to hit you. Don't worry. It's on my finger. That's what they would do. So, so I was reading on this, and here's what it said. It said that slingers were so good that they could get up to six and seven rotations per second. Could you imagine? I don't even, I can't do that. You know what I mean? And I'm in the gym. I can't do that. Six to seven rotations per second. And they said once they would release the rock, it said it would go to 200 yards in distance. The, 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 the study I was reading said this. It would be the equivalent to being shot by a 45 caliber handgun. Now, I don't know if y'all have ever watched Indiana Jones. But when you got one man with a sword, no matter how he is, and you got another man with a 45 caliber handgun, who's got the advantage? I think David does. So as the more I read this, the more I started to realize, hey, David always had what he needed to win the battle. God just wanted him to learn how to work with it. And so he leaves him in the pasture not to hold up his purpose, but to prepare him and to train him for his giant. Because if he can get to a place where he knows how to work with what he's got, then it doesn't matter how the enemy's coming at him because that's the way the enemy wants him. I'm here to tell you this. I believe that if David fights Goliath at close range, David dies. I believe it. And so God says, no, 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 you're more than a conqueror, so I'm not going to let you. up. He might be a giant. He might have a sword. I'm not even going to let you get close enough to him. I'm just going to teach you how to be able to slang. You know, I'm, I'm saying it with an A. You can be able to slang, slang a rock, and be able to take him from a distance. Slang. And here's what I learned. You know what's so great about this? It goes better. Watch. It goes better the more it turns, right? So repetition. The more I turn it, the more damage I can do. 
the more I turn it, the more damage I can do. I said, what does this mean? I don't have a sling. I'm not slinging. What does this mean? Nobody in my church is going home with a sling. What does it mean? And God said, I've already given you everything you need to be able to take out your giant. I've already given you everything. Now watch. Go with me. Hold on. Before you get too happy because you're going to want to shout in a minute. Here's what I learned. First of all, let's talk about repetition. The more you do it, right, the more it goes, the more it spins, the more damage you can do. The more you start proclaiming John 16, 33, for I have overcome the world, for I, there will be world, there will be trouble, but I have overcome that, right? The more you say it, the more you quote, I am more than a conqueror. The more you say it, the more you say it, the more you say it, the more you read 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 it, and then you let it go. And the damage is done. And here's what I learned. And if you don't get anything else out of this message, get this. Here is the enemy's number one agenda in our lives is to get us to a place where we don't know how to work with what we got. You know what I mean? So it's present, but we're not giving it purpose. And the whole time we're standing on the other side of the more that God has for our life, the more that God has for our marriage, the more that God has for our kids, the more that God has for our job, the more that God has for our purpose. And in the middle here is this giant issue that we've been fighting. And watch this, and I'm going to say this prophetically into your life. You've had people try to give you other ways to fight. They meant well. Saul meant well. Hey, take my armor. Problem is, if I take your tool, I got to get into close range. And so my approach changes based off the weapon I'm using. And so what happened, what has happened, it's why we are so biblically illiterate today in 2019. Because the devil said they've got everything they need to overcome everything I could possibly throw at them. When Jesus is in the wilderness and he's tempted for 40 days, what did he use? Did he use a slingshot? No, he used the word of God. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and that Goliath came out and talked for 40 days? Is there any kind of connection here that's trying to say that if we would understand that what Jesus used in the 40 days of temptation... If we would use it in the 40 days of temptation, that the giant would come down. But we got to learn how to work with what we got. We got to learn. And so whatever it is that you're dealing with, you've got to start proclaiming scripture over. You got to recognize it. I'm going to give you three steps when you leave here today. If you don't do them, why? When you leave here today, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's at home, get home and recognize the issue. This is you buster. This is my problem. Immediately redirect, but God, you can overcome it. And then start proclaiming scripture over it. Listen to me. Start with John 3.16. Proclaim it over it. Read it over and over and over and over and over and over. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Just read it over and over and proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Read John 16, 33. Say it over and over. Well, I don't want to seem like I don't know the Bible. You'll know one verse. It'll be more than you know right now. Read it over and 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 over. And once you know that in your heart, once you're able to quote that without having to look at your Bible, then go to another one. Hey, I don't care if this time next year you've got three verses. Guess what? you got three stones. You know what I'm saying? You hear me? you got three stones. And all you need is one. Come on. Oh, no, come on. you got to hear this. All he needed was one. All he needed was one. People will tell you that you need to know all of this stuff. Just learn one verse because you just need one. I know he got five. You know why he got five? Because there was more giants coming. Understand, if you'll just get one now, 
get one now. We can take him out. And then as they come, you'll learn another one. You'll learn another one. You'll know the Lord. Hear me? Understand? You get it, church? Are you with me? And this is for me just as much as it is for you. I'm tired. I'm not being able to get the more God has for my life because of giant issues that are in between. And so never again, never again, I'll recognize it, I'll redirect it, and then I'm just going to repetition. I'm leaving you with the picture. Hold on. Just, it's going to be you this week, all right? You're, I know I'm over time. I'm sorry, Pastor Brian and everybody. Don't worry. Cheddar's is not, they'll give you a free meal today. When you walk into Cheddar's, they tell them Victory Church, they'll give you a free meal. I'm kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> tell them about Victory Church, but they ain't giving you a free meal. Okay. When you see yourself this week, just, just get this picture. Wherever our social media team is, get this video because this is going to be you on Monday morning, all right? When you're reading John 16, 33, over and over and over and over and over, do I look do I look intimidating? Well, okay, I understand. But, but to him at that point, he did. Listen, this is what the enemy sees. I know you think it's just one verse, but you're going and you're spinning and you're spinning and you're spinning. And the moment you get at your weakest, you release. And down he comes. Amen. Lord, we come to you right now. We are so, so thankful for you and your word, and your presence, and all that you do in our lives, and that we don't have to fight this by ourselves, and that it doesn't matter who we are, that we are more than a conqueror through you who loves us, and thank you for what you've done in our lives. And I pray right now, if nothing else, that everybody who hears this word will know that if we will train ourselves in repetition of your word, there isn't a giant issue in our life that will not come tumbling down. Lord, I proclaim right now over everybody in this room, everybody watching online, that this week they're going to read your word and they're going to assign your word to that giant issue. And it's going to come down. Now hear me, church. Theologians say that the giant wasn't dead. He was just unconscious. And the Bible actually says that David went and took his sword and cut off his head. I just feel this. This first hit that you put on him, it might just knock him unconscious. But God is with you until we cut off its head. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We give you glory. We give you praise. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.